We really started off with just honing in on making about videos and telling the stories of small businesses. And that was really cool because it's, it followed the same type of creative arc that you would when you're creating a creative short film, but then you're applying it to like a real world situation. You're getting to know like the passions for why yeah. these small businesses want to do what they do, um, what their hopes and dreams are, and then uh, how their potential customers like might actually want to hear that from them. Welcome to the Small Business Storytellers, the show where we dive deep into the stories and secrets of businesses focused on not just making money, but making the world a better place. My name is Seth Silvers, and my passion is helping businesses grow that are making the world a better place. Every episode, you will hear from transformational leaders and business owners as we dive into what has helped them grow and what has helped them stay true to themselves along the way. Also, Every week, we are hosting live conversations with our guests on Fireside Chat, where we give you, the audience, the opportunity to ask them your burning questions. So make sure to join us live on Fireside Chat on your mobile device. Let's dive in. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Small Business Storytellers. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about stories. And I know we bring you stories every week, but today we're going to dive into what makes a good story. And even this element of, are there some stories that we should be telling and maybe some stories that we should not be telling in business? Um, and to do that, I will want to invite Eric Croswell, uh, the founder and CEO of Bridge City Media, all the way from Oregon. I say all the way as if he's here in person or virtual, but anyway, Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Yeah, I know we've been uh, wanting to make this interview happen for a little while, and it's always fun for me to have other like media people on the show. Um, and so if we get more technical and we just skip right over the audience, then I apologize. But I like talking about this type of stuff. So anyway, uh, tell us a little bit about Bridge City Media. Where are you guys located? And uh, kind of give us perspective for like high level view of who you are and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Bridge City Media is a branding and video production company in Portland, Oregon. And we work with mostly local businesses. So mostly being almost almost 100%. Just um, the community here is very tightly interconnected. Um, the consumers from like business to consumer and business to business kind of has this very like localized presence and importance to a lot of their behaviors. And so we recognize that and we try to take a very localized approach to how we do marketing, how we work with these companies to help them tell their stories and connect with each other and connect with people who haven't heard of them before. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's unique in, in one way, which is how you communicate it because the reality is uh, the majority of businesses are doing local work. Um, you know, not every business, but most businesses, like they have clients that are close to them in some setting, but not a lot, like really hone in on that from a messaging perspective and from a positioning perspective. And I think a piece of it is because businesses, you know, want to grow as big as possible and they don't want to say no to opportunities and they want to take anything they can. And so I think it's really interesting that you and your team have like on your website and from a positioning standpoint, you said like, we want to do local stuff. 
help me understand, help our audience understand some of the thought process behind like really being specific about wanting to serve your local community? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, uh, I think the most important thing is striking a balance and understanding where the values of your community lies. For instance, in like a good example of it is in Portland, we have such a strong like craft beer scene and people love when there's like two locations of the craft beer. Mm-hmm. And then once there becomes three, it like actually starts to like lose their consumer base. And once there comes four, then it doesn't feel local anymore. Even if like every location is still localized. Um, I think it's making sure that when you grow, you grow with integrity and you don't uh, move away from constant feedback that you would get from your community and how you should grow, who you should be connected with. Um, and always feeling like a small company, even if you are becoming a big one. Um, Mm -hmm. Most of the the companies that we work with, I would say are probably like medium size at this point. Um, They might not have just one location. They might have multiple, but they are very intentional with um, how they connect with their local audience. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's helped you to better understand your clients, uh, kind of being a local company, understanding, you know, the Portland scene and maybe able to understand their story and what position their story should, should take better because you're focusing on local stories? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think just it's, it's been really amazing. We've been doing this work for five years and we've worked with more than a hundred local businesses. Um, a lot of these companies work with each other and like we might work with one business that they don't actually directly know they're coordinating with all the time. Um, so just being able to draw a map across the city of like how consumers are interacting with like this pocket of town, how they're acting with this pocket of town, like why this side this section doesn't like that section because they think they're getting more resources than the other one. And like being able to see all the ways that like really cool communication happens as well as lapses in communication happens and trying to navigate, finding ways to, um, yeah, better fit that into their marketing plan. Yeah. Um, from a video perspective, it's always interesting to see like how people got into doing more professional video work and just what that path was. Uh, how did that start for you? And I know now you have a team. It's not, you know, it's not just you with your company. And so, uh, you know, did you start doing wedding videos like a lot of people do? Or like, what was your journey to getting into kind of like wanting to tell small business stories? Yeah. Um, I grew up wanting to be a film director. I, I loved watching movies. I've seen like probably a two or 3,000 at this point. Um, and I always did short films. I was in theater, making just like creative films with my friends, zombie flicks and things like that. Mm-hmm. I went to uh, school here at Portland State and uh, started off in the film program, but then gravitated over to the marketing program and um, kind of accidentally found like a new passion for marketing. I tried to, at first, it was what I thought was like a good you know, career move. It was like a little bit safer. Um, but it was really nice to be able to get out of 
college and start doing some initial work. And then when I started Bridge City Media, I found an opportunity to use my skill set in video to bring that over to the marketing world um, without necessarily directly going into advertising. Like we do mm-hmm. advertising now, but um, we really started off with just honing in on making about videos and telling the stories of small businesses. And that was really cool because it's it followed the same type of creative arc that you would when you're creating a creative short film but then you're applying it to like a real world situation you're getting to know like the passions for why yeah. these small businesses want to do what they do um what their hopes and dreams are and then uh how their potential customers like might actually want to hear that from them right yeah, I think that's that's super important for small businesses, obviously, to get the story out. Um, you know, our company's story on media, like we started out by, you know, six years ago, wanting to focus on helping small businesses market with stories. And over several years of evolution, ended up landing on, okay, the, the way that we can best do that is through podcasting and kind of realizing, like, this is the space we want to do that in. Um, but also realizing there's a lot of other spaces that other people want are, are good at doing it like yourself with video. We ran into, and we still do often this idea when telling a business's story where it's like a lot of people think that that means like, okay, I'm going to interview you and I'm going to say, I'm going to ask you where you're from. Tell me what you do. Tell me where you're going. And it's, it's not really a story. It's more of just like, okay, we're going to visually, you know, we're going to make what you tell us look good. Then on the other side, and I'll say that side is where the majority of, I think, business video companies are. They are simply visually representing whatever the client says. On the other side is really crafting a story. And it's really, it's a totally different process, I think. I'm curious to what, how you approach that and what you're doing to actually tell a story as opposed to just hitting record and making the client look awesome with whatever they happen to say in front of you. Yeah, I think it, it certainly is a little bit of, um, it is a lot of like a co-creative process in that. I, like we always want to start with like, what do they want to share? What do they want to put in front of us? Like, what do they see as their own story? And then helping them look a little bit beyond that. Um, like most of the content that we do is we don't, we typically don't do scripted interviews with people. Like we won't have them just like read a script verbatim. Um, but we might sit down and talk for about 20 or 30 minutes mm-hmm. and pull like the best two minutes from that. Um, that can kind of lead us in a different direction. It's like, okay, like clearly you're mentioning this person on your team as being like a vital influence to, um, how you, this company was built. We also need to talk to that person. Um, I think that depending on the company, we might want to just have the voice of the founder, like having it be like a lot more centered on the origin story. That's what maybe their consumers, uh, connect with the most. Um, or it could be telling the story from the client perspective. So having it a little bit be more testimonial based, Mm-hmm. and guiding through like the full relationship that a lot of their clients have with them. So then people who engage with the story can see themselves in those shoes. Yeah. Um, and 
yeah, it's there. We definitely have like a series of questions that we kind of try to hit for a lot of people when we do an interview. Um, but most projects are like very highly customized and that just comes from some initial research that we do through them, going through their website, going through their social, looking at how, and not just how they present themselves, but how their clients engage with them, like what comments they leave on things. Um, like if they're doing posts on Instagram, like what's getting better engagement versus something else, maybe based on like the copy that they share. Um, we try to make sure that before we even start recording, we have a good idea of like exactly the story that we want to present here and what we feel confident people are going to want to hear. Hmm. Yeah. And I'm curious to take a step back. You mentioned you've probably seen two or 3000 movies. Um, this is a big question of asking, you know, what makes a good story, but when you're looking, whether it's a three and a half minute business story or it's a, you know, two hour long feature film, when you're thinking about the elements of a good story, what are some of those elements to you and how are you kind of thinking about structuring a story in order for it to actually be engaging and to be received well from an audience? Yeah. Um, I think that, like really important elements of the good story is showcasing some sort of genuine conflict that people can really attach themselves to or see themselves in. Um, Even if they haven't personally been through exactly that type of circumstance, like, you know, the underdog story um, arc. um, I think that that's like a great thing to explore for like origins or, um, like showcasing some sort of humility in the sense of like a, like a company or an individual, like learning a way that they could improve after they got feedback from something. Um, I think that the stories that we engage with the most is just being able to believe whatever the characters are going through in it. So like whatever is being shown, um, having some realistic, emotional elements that aren't too contrived um, while also like being open to being vulnerable through Mm -hmm. telling a story is just super important. Um, And I know that that's, and it's, and it's definitely difficult with companies. Um, I think that something that we absolutely don't want to do, which happens pretty often in advertising and marketing, especially with video is that people try to force these emotional elements. And uh, we, really consp- like we really respect the viewers and we think most people can see right through this. So the thing is like, if there's, we don't really want to come to the table and say like, Hey, we need to create a video and we need to pull up the heartstrings and make something like really sad. So then people will like feel motivated to like right. share this with their friends and feel bad about themselves and things like that. The thing is like, if there that, if there is that element there, that might be something we explore, but we're not going to suggest that until we know that that is, something that truly exists within that environment and people can connect with it. Yeah. Yeah. One of the first moments that kind of made me want to go into the whole marketing space was just this moment of watching the Super Bowl and realizing like most of these stories suck. Like they're, they're fake. They're not authentic. And really thinking to myself, like what would it look like and what would the impact be if businesses actually started really telling the stories of, of the people they were impacting? You know, it might be through philanthropy. It might be their team culture or different things. But I've grown to be so sick of, you know, the 
the stories that they do feel like manufactured. And I, I think the ultimate example is, uh, you know, with, uh, and I don't care to name names, but like Budweiser, like they, every year for the Super Bowl, it's like, they'll have this cute, like puppy story or some cute animal story that has nothing to do with beer. And then it's like, well, let's slap a beer bottle at the end. And really all that's happening there is they're trying to create an emotional reaction and then put an image of their product in front of you while like your mind is vulnerable um, mm -hmm. because you're seeing this emotional thing. How have you like now started to navigate that world of, okay, there's some stories we really want to tell, but then there's also some stories that like we don't want to tell. There's some businesses we maybe don't want to represent and don't want to, you know, help them grow. How, how have you guys started to navigate that? And what are some things you're, you're doing in that space? Yeah. Um, something that we actually really pride ourselves on is who we say no to. Um, we're, we're a relatively small team and, uh, any project that we take on, we always have an internal discussion around what that pro like what that project would be. And everyone has an opportunity to say like, yes or no, I don't want to be involved in this because, uh, I really find that like, you're just not going to do work. Like you're not going to do great work if you are coming to a project and you're not passionate in it and you don't believe that it's something that should exist. So we don't want to do the, you know, puppy crap and then put the product on it. Um, we want to make sure that we're involved with like organizations that we actually believe that telling the story in this way is going to be beneficial to the community. Mm -hmm. Um, like we've gotten like fast food chains that have approached us, um, like gun manufacturers, multi-level marketing companies, um, things like that. And of course it's, it's, tough sometimes, especially when they like come to the table and we're like, all right, yeah, we have this much to offer. This is what we need. Um, but the thing is at the end of the day, we, we are as a company judged for how we carry out our own values and also the quality of the work that we do. And if we're not confident and actually being able to tell a good story, then we don't want to attach ourselves to it. Has it been that way from the start or were there some moments where you realized that maybe we shouldn't have taken on this story or, you know, it, it, a project that maybe didn't feel as authentic that then you're like, okay, let's adjust some things down the road. So we're not in this position. Yeah. I mean, it certainly ebbs and flows. Um, I think probably at the very beginning it was like a lot more stringent on what we said no to. And then yeah. we like eased up a little bit and then we became more stringent and we eased up a little bit. But certainly, like, there's been a couple of times where it's not necessarily something that we, like, vehemently disagreed with, but more so, like, thought it was okay. And that's just how it comes off. It comes off as okay. Mm -hmm. And, like, our other clients, like, maybe see that. And it's just not necessarily something that we find valuable long term to necessarily, like, get involved with. Um and kind of just also in doing so, it's it's good that we've really carved out more of a niche for ourselves and working with mostly social enterprises and nonprofits. Um, we definitely have a formula to how we do a lot of our projects, but most of which kind of fall into that category. And uh, and then other organizations within this, they see that they see that we have this very refined type of expertise to work with their type of company and work with their type of clients or customers that, um, would be interacting with them. 
And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been really beneficial to kind of put your foot down and then say no to opportunities. Um, because I think in the long run, it's opened up much more. Yeah. Tell me more about the doors that it's opened because I think so many business owners are really nervous to say no. They're nervous to put their foot down. Again, you know, we kind of feel this pressure in American capitalism to grow as big as possible, as fast as possible. And so you feel like you need to serve everybody. Yeah. And I say that from experience, like the, the in my journey, the more that we've like narrowed and niched down and said, no, we don't do that anymore. Um, it's actually provided more opportunities. So tell me more about the doors that you think that that's opened and that kind of having like a conscience to your company. What doors has that opened? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that I want to say that definitely being able to say no and like letting doors close is it comes from a place of privilege. I was fortunate enough to be able to start this company um, while working like a second job. And I was able to balance that for a little while. I think that if I wasn't in that position, I probably would have had to say yes to a lot more things. Um but just being able to have the ability to say no to things and be more intentional with how we grew. Um, definitely a lot of our clients have recognized that, especially the ones that are a little bit more in the realms of like trying to do like video content for like an annual fundraiser for a nonprofit. And then like, if they're going to look at our portfolio and we have, you know, wedding videos and we've got, um, like real estate videos and, you know, random ads for like shoe companies and it's kind of all over the place, then they wouldn't have chosen us over much of our competition in Portland, which kind of has like a lot more of like a wide gambit for what they offer for video content. Um, we've been able to work with like a few organizations for like multiple years in a row um, because they come back to us each time knowing that we have this very specific type of expertise for storytelling. Um, and then at the same time, it, if we want to go into one of these other like markets, it becomes difficult. So, um, that's something we kind of like pivoted to last year. It's like, we, we ended up saying yes to pretty much only these like talking head kind of nonprofit, like fundraising type of videos for quite a while. And then, um, and then we're like, okay, actually we do want to get a little bit more into advertising for products. So, um, that's not necessarily something that we attracted. So we, we tried to more intentionally grow in, in that space. And now we're getting like a lot more of, um, that opportunity as well. But I think if we opened everything up all at once, we'd mm -hmm. probably lose out from both. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so important to, to know who you're right for and recognize that the, the more narrow you are, like people are going to be able to refer you a lot better. You know, everybody knows a video person. Everybody knows somebody who can produce a video, but do, you know, can you name somebody that focuses on producing videos for ethical companies? It's like, well, I don't know. I'm not really, you know, they all might do it, but you know, Eric specifically does it. And I think that makes you stand out a lot. Yeah. Videos changed a lot over the last couple of years. Um, it's always changing, I feel like, and just media in general and, you know, consumers and how people consume with media. And I feel like with businesses, businesses are always trying to figure out, okay, how can we capitalize on this? How can we use this to market things? Gary Vaynerchuk famously says that 
marketers ruin everything. Um, and he's a marketer and it's kind of true. You know, there's like always these new technology tools, um, and then marketers come in and they change it all. And I remember when we first started our company and we were doing some video work, the expectation was kind of that, like, okay, if you did a video, then, uh, if you did any video content, like it better be pristine, it better be like really, really high quality. And like, even if you only do one video a year as a business, make it awesome. But like, it better be professional. Otherwise you don't care about your audience. And then I feel like, you know, Snapchat and Instagram stories and all of these things changed. And then it almost became better in ways to do stuff that seemed more like authentic and more raw and organic. Those are examples of changes. I'm curious to where you see like video at, right now and what do you like expect for the next couple of years as far as how businesses can and should be like trying to tell their stories through videos yeah um i think those are some really great examples and it's certainly a lot of the changes that we've seen as well like when first came in um they're just very specifically every video had to be kind of like this one way like like and it was and it was a huge barrier to entry for a lot of small small businesses. Like they yeah. just could not afford to have a, a decent looking video, um, because like the the bar of what's decent and what people are used to watching um, has definitely shifted as well. But also at the same time, like technology to make better and better videos has become more and more accessible over the last few years too. So um, we work with like some videos we might spend. 20 hours, 40 hours planning, uh, 10 to 20 hours filming, 50 plus editing. And then others we might like plan in an hour, film in 30 minutes, edit in two hours. And, but we'll like do a ton of them just depending on like what's going to be used for. And the thing is like both look good, um, but it's just going to be used for different purposes. So I always try to take a really pragmatic approach to what people are actually going to be using the videos for and what, how big their company is. Um, being that we're very directly tied to marketing and small business strategy. Um, I would always like to explore what people's budgets are and also like what the lifetime value of new clients are to them. So if we get a company that approaches us and they're like, uh, all right, well, we need to, like, we've got $5,000 and we need to spend this on a video. Um, I'll kind of take a look at that and I'm like, all right, well, you're, you're selling a product at like $2 a piece. So like, if we only put this on your YouTube page and mm -hmm. that's the only place that we're putting this, then you'd have to sell like a lot to get your money back. Mm -hmm. Like, is that actually worth it to you? Um, and I try to like ask these types of challenging questions to make sure that we're getting them something that makes a little bit more sense. Or we'll say like, Hey, yeah, we can make this video, but you've got a website right now that doesn't necessarily convert. And if you're only going to put that video on your website, like that's the changes that need to happen first. So, um, there's always been those types of challenges. Uh, I like to think that we're unique in the sense that we try and push that and it ends up also inevitably closing some doors but a lot of those open up later on because people recognize that we're being honest with them um but i think that it's just 
over the past few years and what I see for the future is just going to keep expanding. Um, there's going to be more opportunity to use video. Um, there's going to be more of an expectation to use video. And with that, it's just not going to be feasible to like have every single video be very mm -hmm. high budget, be very pristine. Like people are going to have to have the ability to work with content creators locally to produce lots of content for them at like regular, like good prices, or right. they need to have the ability to create that content on their own and feel confident and trained in how to do that. Yeah. Is that something, are you guys, have, have you gotten into the space where you're maybe helping some clients or some people to understand how, what they can be doing on their own? If they're maybe not in the place where it doesn't make sense to be spending, you know, five figures or more on a, on a series or a video. Like, is that something you are you guys helping to like educate people um, and maybe like help your clients know what they can be doing on their own? Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, other than just creating videos, like we do often uh, work with companies like on packages where we'll go through like a video marketing plan for them. We'll put it on their social. We'll um, run ad campaigns. We'll integrated into their website and things like that but the thing is like even if they don't want to move forward with that and directly working with us on it like we just don't want to deliver a video at the end at the end of a project and say like hey here you go good luck we really try to take our time to make sure that they know where they're going to put it mm -hmm. how they're going to you know label it there's just so many little things that can add up to losing the value of that investment because some a lot of time it's a very big investment and we want to make sure that people get the most bang for their buck from it and yeah. they want to come back of course yeah yeah absolutely uh as we kind of bring this to a close i'm curious to are there any either stories that are you know bucket list stories that you'd love to get to tell or companies that you would just love to like get to work with yeah uh, I think it's fortunate that recently we've kind of started to work in a little bit more of a documentary space. Um, there is like a local organization that we're kind of telling their like origin story. And uh, what we're trying to hope to do is to incorporate more of those types of projects into our regular offerings of things. So. Uh, not necessarily like creating about videos or ads for companies, but to take like a wider approach to how this entire industry or this like organization, all the different stakeholders that it touches has been interacting with the community for decades. And then like getting the community involved in that and then like hopefully like guide um, mm -hmm. what's going to happen with it. So for instance, like the, the piece that we're working on right now is with uh, Timberline Lodge, which is a popular like ski destination. It's also where they filmed The Shining. And uh, it's at a, our biggest mountain in Oregon. And uh, it's it's like a very treasured place for a lot of Oregonians, you know, whether they get, went up there to just ski or hike. Um, most people in the area are very familiar with this destination. And we're trying to tell the story of like, not just like, here's the history of this building, but like, here's the history and the story and everything of all these people who have interacted with this space. So we would really like to be able to take that format and have it be available to like other companies or 
nonprofits and not necessarily like have it be them controlling the narrative of how they want the community to see them, but to have like an, a less biased um, outside perspective presenting just a genuine story about the impact that this group mm -hmm. makes uh, yeah. locally, because people do want to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think people want to hear the story and I think whether we know it or not, a lot of the brands that we have come to love, we, it's because we know the story, whether it's a story behind their product or their company or their customers or something like the, I think the story connects us all um, to the companies that we love. So Eric, I really appreciate you sharing, you know, some of your insight into what makes some stories stand out and also just where this whole video thing is going for businesses. I think it's really, uh, it's a conversation we kind of can't stay too far away from because it is, it's really important for marketing businesses today. So where's the best place for people to reach you and get in touch with your company? Yeah. Uh, you can check us out online at bridgecitymedia.com. Um, you can contact us through there, uh, and, or connect with us via Instagram at bridge city media. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, Eric, again, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And uh, we're really happy to have you on the podcast and encourage any of our listeners, especially that are in the Portland area or know people in the Portland area, um, keep Bridge City in mind when it comes to telling great stories in that community. So Eric, thank you so much again. Awesome. Thanks so much, Seth. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to the Small Business Storytellers. If you've wanted to start a podcast and have been wondering if you can use podcasting to grow your business, but don't know where to start, I'd love to talk. Head to successwithstories.com slash podcast to learn exactly how to launch, grow, and profit from a podcast for your business. Again, that is successwithstories.com slash podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And if you like this episode, share it with someone you know who would also like it. If you want to be a guest on the podcast or know someone who would be a great guest on the show, let me know. Thank you, and we will see you next time on the Small Business Storytellers.